0: The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning, everybody. It's, it's good to meet with you today. Uh, I promise that my my message today has very little math in it this time. Uh, we'll come back to that. It does have math. I can't, I can't help that. Uh, but uh, I had prepared something completely different, and over this past weekend... Um, a passage hit me again, and it's a passage that God has brought back to me over and over and over again from the time I was about six years old. And I want to share that passage with you because my understanding of that passage has, has changed uh, every decade of my life. Uh, so if you will, I'd like you to journey with me in your mind. Uh, it's, it's the early 1980s, uh, little Jason Van Billiard sitting on the floor, um, you can picture some Legos over here. Yes, I have many of the 1984 Spaceman Lego. Uh, and over here, you might have a Transformer. You know, my brother has Optimus Prime. We can talk about covetousness another day. Uh, but uh, my parents bought me these, like, these Bible stories, all right? And what's cool about these is it was a illustrated Bible stories, but there was a cassette tape. You've seen those on the Goldbergs, right? A cassette tape that you put in Tape Player and it, it basically read the Bible story to you while it was illustrated in the book. And it'd read a little bit and it would go beep and you know, you'd turn the page and it reads some more and beep you turn the page. But uh, this this story I listened to over and over and over again. So I'm gonna ask you to like journey back to your childhood, make yourself maybe six or seven years old. And we're gonna to listen to the story through, through those eyes. And as we go through, we're gonna look at this, this story that Jesus told multiple times um, at multiple ages. And for me, even in the last two weeks, three weeks, another aspect of this story really, really hit me again. And I wanna share that with you. Uh, so let me open in prayer and then we will get straight to the passage. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for communicating uh, to me and teaching me, I ask that I might be able to teach those who are here, continue to work in my life and their lives as we look at this passage. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we're going to go to the book of Matthew, chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, you can take it out. Uh, Matthew, chapter 18, starting in verse 21. And while we listen to this, just picture the images that you can imagine in a children's book from the 1980s. By the way, um, there was less concern about how kids ended up feeling after they looked at a book in the 1980s than today, so you can bring that into mind as we read this passage. Matthew 18 verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came and said to him, that is Jesus, Lord, how often shall I my brother sin against me, and I forgive him, up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. So you put the beep here, beep, turn the page. But since he did not have the means to repay, the Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that they had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. Beep, turn the page. And the Lord of the slave felt compassion and released him and forgave his debt. Beep, turn the page. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. what kind of mark this might leave on a six- or seven-year-old uh, little Jason sitting there with the torturers and the choking somebody, and I really didn't understand how you'd throw someone in prison and they could repay you. This wasn't making sense to me. But there was something clearer in this passage. Forgiveness is important to Jesus. When I think about uh, forgiveness in this light, as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, what, we re- what was I really forgiving back then, you know? People didn't do much to me. I mean, there was that kid that chased me around in recess, and we got in a couple fights, and I'm not sure what I was forgiving exactly, but I knew it was important. Let's fast forward a little bit to third or fourth grade. So now I had learned multiplication. And Jesus said, you forgive up to 70 times 7. All right, I got that. 490. So you calculate that a little bit and realize if I have to forgive someone every day, it's only like a year and a half I have to forgive them. Or if it's once a week, it's nine years of forgiveness. It's, it's quite some time. Um, but it's felt like there was this, this a number I can think about here. I thought about numbers my whole life, and so this number just popped out to me. Fast forward a little bit and realize that some, some uh, translations don't say 70 times 7, but they say 77. Oh, man, there's a big difference between 77 and 490. <clears throat> it never escaped me that Jesus was not actually giving a number here; He was trying to make a point, but as I thought about this and further studied it and further studied it, I realized Jesus is turning a phrase here a little bit because this phrase that 's translated seventy seven or seventy times seven is only found once in the, the New Testament, um, and as we, so as we know, the New testament 's written in, in Greek, right, and the Old Testament written in Hebrew and Aramaic, right? And at the time of Jesus, there was a Greek translation of the Old Testament that used this word. And so this may have been familiar to Peter and Jesus, and it refers back to, back in Genesis chapter 4, do you guys remember Cain and Abel, right? Cain kills Abel, Uh, God curses Cain, and Cain says, well, someone's going to try to avenge Abel and kill me. And God says, no, if someone avenges, avenges Abel, a curse will fall on him that's seven times as great. Down in the chapter, we go down to Genesis chapter 4, verse 24, and we find Lamech, who had killed someone else, who called down this, well, if, if, if someone avenges, let it be 77, this exact same word, 77 uh, times as great. So in this, in this understanding, Jesus could be pulling back that 7 and 77. That is used back in Genesis 4. And here's, here's the key. Back in Genesis 4, there was this, this seven-fold vengeance, this complete vengeance promise to Cain, and Lamech called upon this, like just complete vengeance, but complete, complete vengeance. Now, flip that over, flip that over to forgiveness. So Peter, Peter comes up to Jesus, and I think Peter's starting to get Jesus' message, because at that time, the Pharisees had said, forgive someone three times, you're in good shape. And Peter's like, no, 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 I got this, Jesus like Peter always does. Peter always has to figure it out until he doesn't. But he says, I got this, Jesus. He goes, not three times. I'll forgive my brother up to seven times. It's complete forgiveness. And Jesus comes back and says, no, Peter, not just seven times, but complete, complete forgiveness. So forgiveness is important to Jesus. And by the way, when we get to the end of the passage, we'll see how important it is to Jesus. So my understanding of this is, you know, very academic. I'm starting to understand this passion word. Forgiveness is important. Sounds great. But then when I think about life and I think about, you know, how can I apply this, it gets a lot harder. So my forgiveness needs to be complete. It needs to be regular. It needs to be in every circumstance. I have, I have kids, you know, and, and sometimes they, they don't do the right thing, if you can believe it. Um, but you know, there's, there's punishment with everything, and they, they say sorry, and I forgive them. But then at what point do I stop and say, enough is enough? That's enough forgiveness. You've done this too many times. Or maybe you have a, a roommate or a friend who repeatedly sins against you. They're offensive. They're unkind. Here's the worst for me. They neglect to do something, so I have to do it over and over and over again. We do the right thing. We confront them. We discuss it. We address it. it happens over and over again, at what point am I allowed to start holding a grudge? Or maybe we all have family situations, some dysfunctional family situations, right? And there's that family member that comes to Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter or some other other event, and you know it's going to be a problem every year, you know? You try to intervene and you do the right thing, talk to them about it. But at some point, when can we start doing sort of the passive-aggressive thing and shunning them and not talking to them? There's thousands of examples. There's hurts that run much deeper than the ones I've described. And they're painful. But as a Christ follower, I think it's pretty clear, I have to forgive. So this passage is focused on like, this forgiveness that has to happen, but let's, let's turn it on its other side. Raise your hand if you need forgiveness. (laughs) Yeah. I need forgiveness from God. I need forgiveness from people. Like, I'm sure I step on people's toes all the time and I don't even know it. I'm the one who needs grace. I need forgiveness. There's broken relationships we all have. Things that are fractured. Things that aren't quite right. One time when I was looking at this passage, uh, fast forward many years, I came across an, an illustration that just stuck with me. So there's a a story of this this father and son from Madrid who had had a real falling out. They had become really estranged. Son ran away from home. The father went off to find him, couldn't find him, did everything he could. He searched for months to find his son. And finally, in an act of desperation, he said, I'm just going to put an ad in the Madrid newspaper. Here's what the ad read. Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday all is forgiven. I love you, your father. Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. There's a lot of pain out there. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of forgiveness that is needed. I I, when I think about Romans 12, I, I, I come across that passage. As much as it's up, as, as up to me, be at peace with all people. Am I taking those steps that I need to take to give forgiveness, to ask forgiveness from someone, or maybe I actually need to put—I mean, we're not going to put an ad in the newspaper. I, I'm not sure how to do that anymore. But maybe we need to put a message out there. You can fill in the blank. Dear so and so, meet me at the Langhorn Coffee House at noon on Saturday all is forgiven. I love you. I'm sure we can all fill some names in there. Relationships that we would like to be healed. Relationships that we'd like to have right. We all, well, I do. I don't know if you do. But it's things that we have to pursue. Things that that are broken and damaged. I think that as we look at this passage, we're going to see, remember, there's there's this slave, you know, who is forgiven much, but someone else owes him money. There is, there is something actually owed to, to the slave, a small amount, the whatever it is, so many denarii, something that's owed. And we may have been offended by someone. We feel like they owe us something. They owe us an apology. They owe us repayment. But when I think about this, when I, when I stand before God, he's not going to say, you know, well, I know that happened with that guy. But he's really just going to ask, what have I done to live peaceably with all people? So it's, it's very much on me to think about this. And we think about the, the impact of forgiveness on people's lives. We think about relationships that be, can be restored. You know, this is something we have to actively pursue. We think about uh, when in the book of Peter, or in the book of John, First uh, John, when he talks about um, they'll know we're Christians by our love for each other. We can stand out simply by loving and forgiving each other. When I think about the impact of forgiveness, I think about uh, one of my favorite musicals, Les Rob. All right, we think about Jean Valjean and what happened there. Now, by the way, the first time I saw Les Rob, I was in high school. My girlfriend, who later became my fiance and my wife, said to me, for Christmas, I'd love to go see Les Mis. I'm like, okay, what's that? You know, I, I don't know. You know, she said, it's a musical. I'm like, oh, they sing a song in it? No, they sing the whole time. I'm like, no. (laughs) Is this, how long is this? Three hours. And they sing the whole time. Yes. So, you know, she's my girlfriend. I'm buying the tickets, we're doing this. We go to New York, sit in the back of the theater. Of course, you know, I have a paper route, I'm poor. We got $25 seats, last row of, the, row of the theater. I'm like, all right, here we go. At least it's last row. It can get comfortable, put my head back. We're going to be good here. Um, started to listen to that musical. Went through a completely engaging story. Um, we'll talk about the details of it, but I'll tell you, by, by intermission, uh, my girlfriend looked over at me. She's like, you there? I'm like, oh, yeah. I was so into it. I have loved musicals ever since. I've been to a dozen, 15 of them. I can't stop. But (laughs) in Les Mis, you have the story of Jean Valjean, who, yes, he committed the crime. He went to prison. We can talk about the justice of that. Uh, But he came out. He's on parole. He can't get a job. You know, things are rough for him. A priest takes him in, you know, feeds him for the night. He sees the silverware, snags that, and gets out of there. Okay. He, th- he steals, steals the silver. And in the story, I'm not going to ruin the whole thing for you. Don't worry. It's just, just the beginning. All right. In the story, you know, the, the cops catch him, bring him back to the priest. Right. And they said, this man said, you gave him this silver. And the priest said, oh yes, I gave it to him. And he's like, you forgot. I gave this also. Would you leave the best behind? So he gives him more silver. Okay. And the cops leave, and, of course, Jean Valjean says to the priest, like, no, no, take it back, take it back, take it back. But the priest says, no, I've given this to you. I love you. I care for you. You're forgiven. Complete. Not only are you forgiven, I'm going to double this gift that you stole from me. Completely changed the course of Jean Valjean's life. Completely so when I think about this forgiveness and the impact it can have on others, it's, it's a story, it's a fictional story. The book is huge, uh, but it's, it's, it's a fictional story. But I've seen it, and you've seen it in lives, you've seen it in there are places where people hold grudge, where people will just hold that bitterness in their heart and how it destroys others and destroys them, and other times where that forgiveness has happened, right? And it makes, makes such a difference in their lives let come back to the, the story here, the passage. Uh, we see this, this slave who owes a large sum, 10,000 talents of silver. Now, of course, I did some calculations. I like doing that. Uh, but 10, 000, a talent of silver is basically 20 years' wages for a laborer, and based upon the median annual wage for an agricultural worker, this person would owe, in today's dollars, about $3.5 billion, Okay? So let's talk about the debt that person was released from. It was huge. Something they absolutely could not repay. Can you hear what Christ did for us on the cross? Something we could not repay. And this wasn't lost on me even at six or seven years old. Like, I've been forgiven a lot. This person was forgiven so much. For by grace we've been saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? Christ died on the cross to save me, to forgive me, a debt I couldn't pay. See, there's a real motive for why I should be doing this, apart from, you know, the wholeness that it brings to each of us. You know, I have been shown so much mercy, so much grace by God. In recent weeks and recent months, um, this, this you know I, I told you, God keeps teaching me through this passage. And this passage really is about this unforgiving servant who he needs to go out, he needs to forgive others. We need to forgive others. But sometimes I think we forget, you know, God has forgiven us, but I'll put it this way have we forgiven ourselves? Have we really let the grace of God wash over us? And accepted that gift, accepted the forgiveness we have. I think sometimes we may be hesitant to forgive others because maybe we haven't really, we've asked forgiveness, God has given us forgiveness, but we're still holding ourselves to this this standard and won't let ourselves go, won't let ourselves be forgiven of what God has already forgiven us of. I'm not sure if it interferes with our ability to forgive others, but I think it definitely keeps us out of a right relationship. The enemy seeks to have us carry guilt our whole life. But God's forgiven us. And once we let realize that forgiveness God has, it's, it's way easier for me to forgive others. Way easier for me to, to let that go. I come to the end of the passage here, right? Verses 35, 33 to 35. And the Master says, Should you not also... Have mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you. This in the same way is a little troubling for me. For me to be as merciful to others as much as God has been merciful to me. Impossible. Um, And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. These are strong words. But let's get the whole passage in mind here, right? When I see the beginning of this passage, Jesus is saying, our forgiveness of others needs to be complete, complete. I look at the end of the passage and I see Jesus saying, and this is really important to me. This is really important to me. But I can't do it. I can't do it on my own. Right? Sometimes we think about the gospel as this moment of salvation, this forgiveness I receive um, at the start of my relationship with Jesus. But I need this forgiveness over and over again, every hour. I think about that song, I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee. I need to continually be asking God to work in my heart, that the Holy Spirit will work in my heart, that I might forgive others the way that he has forgiven me. Is that easy for me? No is it easy for you? I think the thing is this, God can make it happen. He can work on our hearts, work on our minds, so that by his spirit we can forgive others. But a question I do want to ask is, do I always want that to happen? Maybe I like the anger a little too much. Maybe I like the vengeance, the holding something against someone just a little too much, that I don't really, really, really want God to work in my heart this way, to be able to truly forgive others. And so that's a place where I think we can go to, go to the Lord and say, I know I can't do this on my own. I need your help in forgiving others. So forgiveness is a practice that I have to pursue because of the grace God has shown to me. Those expectations on forgiveness for me are great, but the Holy Spirit, through working my life, will enable me to do that. So let's come back to my illustrations. When I'm frustrated with my children, I need to exercise that grace that God has shown to me. When someone repeatedly offends me, maybe I need to consider how I've repeatedly offended God and he has forgiven me over and over and over again when there's someone out there who's inconsiderate of my needs. Maybe I need to sometimes remember that I so often put my, quote, needs before God's wishes. There's incredible grace shown to me. My question is, who needs forgiveness from me today? Let's pray together. Father, I ask that you would search our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would convict us in these areas that we need to forgive, Help us to experience your grace and the forgiveness you give to us every day. And when we show that grace and that mercy and that kindness to others the way you show it to us. God, we can't do this on our own. So we ask that your spirit would do this in our hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming out today.